Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, March 16th, 2016, and today we're, we're reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are currently on page 44, the second paragraph, which starts to one who feels he is an atheist or agnostic, and we're going to, this morning, we're going to read through two paragraphs ending in our our experience shows. Um, today's readers, so who, who do we have today? We have Martha D. on the 12 steps. We have Barbara N. on the 12 traditions. And the readers of the text, we have Amy G., Gail T., and Kat, uh, KDF. The reference number for yesterday, Tuesday, March 15th, is 8540. That's 8540. The OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our, our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition state, states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive reader who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence in the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So now I'm going to ask uh, Martha D. to get us started with the 12 steps. Martha? Good morning, visionaries. This is Martha D. from Pennsylvania, a recovering compulsive overeater. The OA 12 Steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Martha. Okay, now I will ask Barbara N. to read the 12 Traditions. 
Thank you, Larry. Thank you, everyone. This is Barbara N. in New York. The 12 traditions. Our common well- One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. <coughs> Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communications. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you so much for allowing me to do service, and I pass. Thanks, Barbara. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the traditions, or excuse me, the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive readers only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we're going to resume our study of the the big book, and we're currently on page 44, uh, starting with to one who feels he is an atheist or agnostic. And old Amy G is going to read through two paragraphs, um, first paragraph for context, and then we're going to focus our comments on the second paragraph. So Amy G, take it away. Good morning, Larry. Uh, Can you hear me okay? I can hear you great. Great. Thanks for your service. Good morning, everyone. My name is Amy G. Old Amy G has her reading glasses and is ready to go. (laughs) To one who feels 
He is an atheist or agnostic. Such an experience seems impossible, but to continue as he is means disaster, especially if he is an alcoholic of the hopeless variety. To be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to faith. But it isn't so difficult. About half our original fellowship were exactly that type. At first, some of us tried to avoid the issue, hoping against hope we were not true alcoholics. But after a while, we had to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis of life or else. Perhaps it's going to be that way with you, but cheer up. Something like half of us thought we were atheists or agnostics. Our experience shows that you need not be disconcerted. Again, my name's Amy. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. What strikes me today in these paragraphs are a couple things. You know, it says here about half of our original fellowship were exactly that type. I mean, what chapter are we in? Chapter 2, we agnostics. And, you know, they're not speaking just from theory here. These are the first 100 who have recovered. And they're saying about half of our original, and it also says down here, half of us thought we were atheists or agnostics, our experience. And to me, that's the key. This is not theory. This is something that they've experienced over half of them. And they are so sure that they're telling us in this paragraph to cheer up. It's okay, even if you don't care, believe, or what you believe about God, that it's okay because this program still works. And they're sure of it because they have experienced it. And it says here, but after a while, we had to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis of life or else. How can they be so sure about this when they know it's a do-or-die situation because they've experienced it? And if we go back to page 25, I understand where they're coming from because I was at a crossroads, too. And it says here, if you are as seriously alcoholic as we were, we believe there is no middle-of-the-road solution. We were in a position where life was becoming impossible. We had passed into a region from which there was no return from human aid. We had but two alternatives. One was to go on to the bitter end blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could, and the other was to accept spiritual help. And this we did because we honestly wanted to and were willing to make the effort. To me, this was what the key was in my recovery process about willingness when it came to my firmly entrenched agnosticism when I walked into this program. Many of you all have heard my story before. I walked into my first Overeaters Anonymous meeting in Northfield, Minnesota, and I was dying of this disease, and I, for the first time in my life, I identified in, I felt hope. I had never heard anyone do things with food like I had done. I thought, oh, my gosh, this could be for me, and then they started mentioning God. And I got up in the middle of the meeting, and I walked out because I thought, ah, to heck with God. I was firmly entrenched in my agnosticism. And what you wonderful people did in this program is someone got up from the meeting and followed me out of the room, and they didn't try to convince me about what I believed about God or even if I believed in God. All they did was hand me a pamphlet that said 15 questions on it. OA still has the pamphlet that says, are you a compulsive overreader? And upon those questions, answering yes to every single one, I became willing to at least believe I am who I say I am, a compulsive overeater, that I had no other alternative because I couldn't stop. You see, I didn't need to be convinced of God at that point. I needed to be convinced that I was powerless and I could not stop putting food in my mouth and that I needed help because of myself and of my own thinking, I would constantly be bringing myself, putting my binge foods into my mouth and then sticking my finger down my throat. 
But with willingness, with willingness, I was willing to put aside all of that. And that's what I was assured. I was assured that it didn't matter what I believed or what I didn't believe. If I was willing to think of a new way of acting and reacting to life and learning how to work steps, put the food down and work these 12 steps, that I would then come along what it is I believed. I would create a power of my own understanding as long as it wasn't me. My sponsor always said to me, I don't care if it's Jesus, Buddha, the universal vibes of a tree, as long as you are it and it's greater than you. Well, to me, I had no middle-of-the-road solution, and I didn't understand what God was, but I knew I was a compulsive overeater, and I was willing to look at the experience of those who had gone before who had recovered, who had shown me that they too had been agnostic, and yet upon a little bit of willingness, they had the key to open the door wide to this program and a wonderful recovery. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, young Amy. Uh, appreciate that. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to open this up to uh, who would like to share. So who would Sarah, like to share? Yeah. Can I share? I heard you, Bella. Katie, I got you, Rachel, and I got you, Sarah, and I got you, Katie. Tina S. And Tina. Leah M. And Leah. Who else? All right. Well, let's let's get started with this lineup. This is quite a lineup here. We got Sarah, then Bella, Rachel, Katie, Tina, and Leah. So go ahead, Sarah, you're up. Good morning, Larry. Thank you for your service. Good morning, vision for you. Sarah W., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, I'm going to uh, zero in on where it says, but after a while we had to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis of life or else. Um, for me, uh, when it says we agnostics, I think most of us come in. I think probably it's even higher than 50% as far as, you know, I, I definitely was. Um, the idea of being agnostic for me means that I'm, I'm a skeptic at times. Um, and I think the working of the steps is what helps me um, feel more connected to uh, the idea of a spiritual basis of life. Um, I also, uh, for me, um, the more I, uh, I act as if, the more I feel it. And at times, uh, I feel disconnected and I don't think that's an abnormal thing. I think the most religious and spiritual people have moments like that. And I think we question ourselves. And, you know, I don't think any of this gets perfect. One of the things that, that keeps on coming up for me in my life uh, when I think of what we're reading now is that um, sometimes I, I think people think they have to go to a spiritual hilltop and, you know, be alone and, you know, do the, the meditation and find that connection that will help them um, throughout their life, whether it be with their food addiction or whatever is going on. 
for me, I think a lot of times it comes through other people, you know, the connection with the other person, you know, whenever two or more are gathered type of a thing. And I think, um, you know, welcome to the club. I mean, you know, um, we're all here because we're not all there. Um, nobody gets to a place where they're above other people. We're all looking eye to eye, and we get to um, um, the vulnerability that we, when we state that, you know, I, I have this problem. You know, uh, when I pick up that first bite, I either can't put it down or I continue to pick it up again after I've stopped um, is, you know, membership to the club. And the idea that we've tried and tried all these different methods and it hasn't worked. And that now um, we have this membership that we're all working towards the same goal, to have a sane and happy and useful life that doesn't uh, include uh, the obsession with food constantly. And what a beautiful way that we get to live. And I like that it does say the word must. Uh, we must find a spiritual basis. But I don't believe that means perfection. I really believe that it's working towards, and through the steps is where I'm going to get more of that. And I just would like to to end with the idea that um, the spiritual principle behind the second step, the second step being came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity, the spiritual principle is hope. And I think that's what the agnostic chapter is all about. It's about the hope that we can be relieved of this insidious and horrible obsession with food. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah and Bella. Bella, your turn. Thank you. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Larry, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. But after a while, we had to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis of life or else. Yes, you know, I remember the first time that I came to the meeting in the OA. People started to talk about God and God and God. For me, I I really was angry and upset because I came to lose weight and not to hear about God. As a religious person, I knew all about God. I knew all the facts about God. But God really wasn't in charge of my overweight. I am the boss, so why people are talking here about God? Thank you, God, that my jealousy was so big. I was so jealous at people there to see, to hear their stories and to hear that they lost so much weight and they are keeping it. And I was so jealous that I said, oh, okay, it doesn't matter. People are talking about God. It really makes nonsense. But you know what? I want so much to lose weight that I will stay here. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that I stay there. Because as I I was learning the steps, and as I started to leave the steps, yes, I realized that my beliefs are not right. I did believe that I am the driver and I am driving my life, not in the food areas only. I believe that I, uh, I can manage my life. And 
it was a wrong belief because I couldn't manage my life. I didn't know how to make healthy relationship, not with myself, not with the people around me. And thank you, God. Thank you, God. Now I know that, yes, I need to have a spiritual connection. And today I choose to be connected to a higher power, to a loving and accepting power. And yes, by living the steps, I realize that my beliefs about God before the program are not, weren't right. And today I have a different belief regarding God. Today I believe God accepts me and loves me. And yes, today I accept that I am powerless and I have the hope and I live in a hope that, you know, my, my, my recovery is not food. My recovery is to be accepted by a higher power. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Bella. Okay, we have Rachel next, followed by Katie. Rachel, it's your turn. Good morning, Larry. This is Rachel W. Good morning, everyone. This is Rachel W., um, Recover Compulsive Reader, calling from New York. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm getting a message here, you know, with the title of the chapter, which is We Agnostics. And then in this paragraph, we, it, it says twice. It says about half our original fellowship it mentions that they were exactly of that type. And then later on, it says again, you know, something like half of us thought we were atheists. The, the, the message that this is a we program, the message that we do this together is, is screaming at me. You know, it's like it is, it is it, the, the way to step two and the way to any success in my program is, is when I reach out to other people. And, and it is, is by coming, you know, coming to a point where I can you know, use this fellowship and, and reach out. So we're being encouraged not to do this alone. And I know for me, you know, anybody that's new on the line that's hearing a lot of um, spiritual or, you know, God talk and may not be as comfortable with it. But I'll tell you, as much as identify, I identify in with the problems of this book, you know, the horrific state of mind and body that I can get to with my disease is as much as I need to identify into the solution as well. Yes, this has to be a nuclear recovery. You know, the way I was eating wasn't even animalistic. It was like sub-animal. It was like animals don't binge. You know, I, I was at a point where I was misusing every gift of God I ever had in terms of trying to control my, my eating and my life. And, um, and so that solution had to be to seek a higher power, something else besides me. And I know for myself, getting in touch with that higher power started with getting in touch with the fellowship and reaching out to other people. And I just want to end off in, in this, in the 12, 12 and 12, um, it says um, on page 33, it says, step two is the rallying point for us all, whether agnostic, atheist, or former believer, we can stand together on this step. True humility and an open mind can lead us to faith and every meeting is an assurance that God will restore sanity if we rightly relate ourselves to him. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Rachel. Okay, so we have uh, Katie next, and Tina, you're on deck. Katie? Good morning. This is Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. And I just love these paragraphs. Um, but after a while, we had to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis of life or else. And, you know, I, too, like others, had not um, ever 
called myself atheist or agnostic. Um, but what I did was identify out. I had an excuse. I had a reason why my situation was different. And I know that I, I feel like I've said this a thousand times on this line, but you know, it's that open mind. It's that closed mind. It's that lack of willingness. It's that lack of honesty that kept me going back to the food because I didn't believe you. I didn't believe that you and whoever you were actually were telling me the truth and that it would get better. I thought that this was as good as it was going to get, that I was going to be, um, you know, able to stay abstinent here and there, um, which is what I had done for years in these rooms. I would stay abstinent for a few weeks or a few months um, and then would try to rest on my laurels and not uh, continue whatever it was I had been doing. And I had to get to a point um, of desperation, which for me meant binging and um, wanting to kill myself, you know, wanting to muster up the courage to drive off the road. That was my solution. That was what I thought was going to be the best for me. And, you know, I had to be willing to say, you know what, I've got this spiritual way of living, but it's not working for me. I need to listen to you and do whatever you're telling me to do. And that willingness came, um, you know, <laughs> when I wasn't expecting it. I didn't think that I was going to get abstinent the day I got abstinent. I didn't think I was going to stay abstinent for, you know, decades. I didn't think I would ever lose my weight and stay at a, um, a normal-sized body for decades. I didn't think I'd ever do any of the things that I've done in recovery. And that's where I needed to be. I needed to be at a place of surrender where my best thinking was shut down. And I'm so grateful that God gave me that little inkling of willingness to shut my mouth and open my ears. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Katie. Okay, now batting Tina and then Leah, you're on deck. Tina? Thanks, Larry, for your service. Uh, Tina S. Compulsive Eater, anorexic in Florida. And, wow, some powerful stuff here. You know, uh, I, I first came to Overeaters Anonymous in 1987, and um, my abstinence date is 1999. Uh, and, and I also am in another 12-step program, and I love what it talks about. You know, at first, some of us tried to avoid the issue, hoping against hope we were not true alcoholics. You know, and that was me. I fit that category. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I uh, kind of was like, okay, I'm an alcoholic. I can take that, but I'm certainly not a compulsive overeater. You know, I'm certainly not a compulsive overeater. And, and then it talks about, you know, we had to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis of life. You know, I had to face the facts, you know, indisputable cases of my own, you know, that that's what I was and that the only way out was a spiritual basis of life. And, and you know, and I didn't come here for for that, you know, but that is certainly <laughs> You know, and uh, God continues to be my source, and the 12 steps continue to be my channel. You know, the experience of the first hundred, you know, that let me relate and identify, you know, and it gives me a solution. You know, and I love what it talks about, so I need not be disconcerted. So I don't have to be unsettled. You know, I continue the path one day at a time, no matter what. I don't have to pick up the food, and with that, I pass. Thanks. God bless you to whoever sneezed. <laughs> um, 
Okay, so thank you, Tina and Leah M. You're up. Thanks so much, Larry. Uh, But after a while, we had to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis of life or else. I I like the tone of that, but after a while, you know, after getting beat to a pulp um, by this disease, you know, the reality is that my life was deteriorating faster than I could lower my standards. Um, You know, I was sick of living in a tortured way of life. I mean, it was absolutely torture uh, being in compulsive overeating. That was my personal experience. I was sick of living, and I was, a, I was scared to die. I was scared to die, <laughs> but I was sick of living. It's an awful uh, corner to be uh, placed in. I also came here with absolutely no knowledge, you know, really, of God having been brought up in a, in a secular environment, so I really didn't know what that meant, spiritual basis of life or else. But that's where the big book came in. That's where the big book came in. And that's where the willingness to pursue recovery uh, out of desperation came in. Because when you're being chased by a gun, it's not the love of running that drives you. It's pain. It's pain. It's pain of knowing what was behind me at my heels because I came here because I did not want to die and also because I didn't want to live in the way I once lived because I lived in a way that was absent of quality of life. Little did I know that all that suffering was going to be the invitation to a transformation. But, you know, it, it says here our experience shows that you need not be concerted. You know, the beauty of this whole thing is on the one side, I had my personal experience of two decades of chronic, progressive, compulsive overeating, madness and mayhem. And on the other side, I had living proof, people who had recovered from a seemingly hopeless condition of mind and body. So having no idea what to expect, in spite of my own very, very crippled belief system, I just, <laughs> I just played the game. And followed the directions. Because what the big book actually promises is that by working the 12 steps, it will remove the blocks that keep you, keep me from our higher power, however we conceive it. And that higher power will enter into our lives and give us sanity. So there's no promise here that we will believe in God or or, or religion. The only promise is that we'll have sanity, that we'll feel a strength and power that we know did not exist in us when we were trying to deal with compulsive overeating on our own and all the problems that come with it. So if you are an atheist, agnostic, or unknowledgeable like I was, don't despair at all. Just do the steps because by the end of step nine, you'll have a personality change sufficient to overcome compulsive overeating. And according to the big book, that's a spiritual awakening. Bingo. I pass. Thanks. Thanks, Leah. Okay, we'll open it back up. Who else would like to share? Monica. Nadia B. Anybody else? Anita J. Alice okay. M. And Alice. All right. Well, let's cap it there, and then we'll move on to Gail. So we have um, we have Monica, we have Nadia, Anita, and Alice. So Monica, you're up. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. 
All right here. So here we are in chapter four, we agnostics, us with, we without knowledge. And they're saying at first some of us tried to avoid the issue, hoping against hope we were not true alcoholics. Well, you know what? It's like I came in here and damn if I didn't learn that I was a pickle and I was never going to be a cucumber again. But I'll let you all in on a little secret. You know, being a pickle can be pretty cool and it's okay. And it's brought me here to where I am today. But after a while, we had to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis of life or else. Or else what? Or else I was going to die a miserable, slow, slow death from this disease. I was miserable. I was miserable. And I was dying. And I was desperate. And they're saying here to us, all right, so you're not too sure about this God thing. You might, you know, all this God stuff here is scary to you and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, don't, don't get, don't be upset here. Cheer up. Something like half of us, maybe even more than half of us felt that way. But our experience shows that you need not be disconcerted. Disconcerted. You need not be upset or troubled. So if you're having issues with all this God stuff you're hearing here on the line this morning, the big book is saying here, don't let this upset you. Don't let this trouble you. It's okay. Wherever you're at is where you're at with this stuff. We were there too, and so was I. I didn't know about this God thing, and I'm a religious person. And it says here, you know, it's not telling me that I have to prove his existence here in this paragraph. All it's saying is I need to come to the belief, I need to come to the decision that I need some type of power that's greater than me that can remove this obsession from my mind. And all my decades of, of... Being in this disease, I knew I couldn't do it. I did the same things over and over and over again, expecting a different result. And no one else could do it for me. And they're saying, there is a power out there. We've we've tapped into it. We've crossed over. There is. You don't have to believe it. It's okay. Just follow the rules, work the steps, and you will cross over too. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Monica. Okay, we have Nadia B. followed by Anita J. Nadia? Good morning, everyone. This is Nadia B., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Connecticut. And uh, I love, love this book. Um, Spiritual basis. When I, you know, when I first um, came about six years ago into the room of OA, I got some relief uh, with, you know, non-spiritual a basis, <laughs> you know, I got some relief with the diet and fellowship, and you know, I wasn't even sure if I needed that, you know, spiritual, those spiritual basis. But you know, I my disease took me to the whole new level, where I had to really, um, you know, look if maybe you know I need this spiritual solution and when I started to listen to um, closer you know to people that had this spiritual solution I actually had a question in my head does it even exist does this spiritual solution exist Um, are you guys all making this up and um, you know 
so with where I was, it really didn't matter for me because I realized I was a true, true food addict and compulsive overeater. And, um, you know, therefore I needed something, something because everything else just, you know, failed me, doctors, diets, even the fellowship. So I needed something else. And like it says here, we must find a spiritual basis of life. And despite the fact that I didn't even understand it, despite the fact that I, you know, I had to trust that you fellows were telling me the truth, that that existed at the end of this, you know, step process. And perhaps, perhaps, it's going to be the way for me to find relief from my disease. And as a matter of fact, it just happened to me. And I realized today that it truly exists. And maybe, you know, it's not something that I can touch or something that I can, um, you know, physically feel, but I know it exists today and um you know it did solve my eating problem and a lot of my life problems and with that i'll pass thank you nadia okay we have anita j followed by alice anita you're up thank you very much thank you very much larry for your service and all those who have shared so far this is anita j a recovered compulsive overeater out in massachusetts You know, I have um, been in this program a long time with twists and turns and bends, but I've never forgotten my first meeting. It was in the room where I used to weigh people and try to tell them what to do. So you know where that ended. I won't go into it. But it really smashed some ideas the moment I walked in because, first of all, the only piece of literature back then, there was a big book. And that was uh, smash number one, which I thought I was better than my my mother who needed that big book and never had it. But the other one, the big one, was the woman up giving her story. It was that kind of a meeting, and she talked about God. Now, I didn't come in as agnostic or atheist. I came in as disillusioned. Disillusioned, I came in as someone who threw the baby out with the bathwater. Sorry, higher power, to call you the baby. But the point is, I had expectations. You know that word, if you've done the fourth step um, about yourself? Uh, When the minister had the affair, and I am a person with, you know, a two- and a four-year-old, bright-eyed and starry-eyed and wanting to save the world, that was it. I couldn't, I couldn't keep going. I stopped going. Uh, it, it was just awful. But it was lonely out there. And so the point is, my conceptions of a higher power were so mixed up, and that was the first gift of OA, realigning me. And... Um, There were more, so many more. You know, she was a person who shared the fear I had and had never voiced. She thought if she ever looked good again, she would go through the state of Massachusetts with a mattress on her back. I just 
sat there with my mouth open. And the point is, by God, that was a good motive. If she could conquer that fear and stand there happy and healthy, I'm going to try. I'm going to put the baby back in the bathwater, and I'm going to give it, give this program a chance. And thank you, God, that I did. With that, I passed. Thanks, Anita. Hey, Alice, can I be an agnostic or atheist and recover? All right. Uh, well, this is Alice, <laughs> a food addict and bulimic in Florida. Kind of embarrassed to say I'm from Florida this morning, but that's where I live. Um, you know, all the, yeah, I want to weigh in here as, as an atheist um, for those other seculars out there who might be feeling still, um, can I do it in this program? Do I want to? Because um, I tell you, it wasn't so much for me the, you know, that I had the only alternative was um, stay in my disease or have the spiritual experience. Difficulty was me for me was how how could I face the um, I kind of it was kind of like secular phobia in the rooms and I still I still you know I still feel that um, but it's coming it's getting a little better in these rooms and it it wasn't for me it my atheism had nothing to do with my ability not to recover or not to work a spiritual program. It, it was the fact that I was a critical level food addict. That's what was blocking me from everything. It was just my whole addict thinking. It had nothing to do and still has nothing to do with um, where I stand in terms of do I believe in God, do I not believe in God. That's just a moot point for me. Um, for me, you know, the, the, you know, to live on a spiritual basis, it was a choice, okay? You can figure out how to work this 12-step program in these rooms um, or you can try to figure this out on your own and I haven't been doing so well with that. Um, So for me, you know, the spiritual way was and is practicing these principles, you know, of humility, honesty, self-honesty mainly, compassion, tolerance, acceptance, self-examination. That is the spiritual life for me today. I consider myself a spiritual atheist. I, you know, it's, you know, this, I'll be, you know, quite frank, this chapter to me is, is very disparaging to atheists and agnostics. It just is. You know, it wasn't written by an agnostic. Um, and, you know, we get help from um, food addicts that were food addicts and that live the same life we do. And, and that's the people I listen to. And on matters of agnosticism and atheism in the program, I don't anymore listen to um, the feedback or advice from those that are not Um, in terms of all this. You know, I get my support from a group of people that that has walked this path too, the secular path in the rooms, uh, because I need to be able to to do this. Um, And, you know, it says our experience shows that, well, you know, let's see, perhaps it's going to be that way with you. Cheer up, something like half of us thought we were atheists or agnostics. You know, a statement like that, half of us were, you know, that's that, kind of conversion language there. It's like, no, maybe as much as half of us are. You know, we're just kind of still in the closet because of judgment um, that I do feel. Um, but luckily, like I said, you know, I have I have another um, fellowship, you know, within the fellowship that helps me through all that um, because I need to be in these rooms and I do live on a spiritual basis. And... Um, you know, our experience shows that you need not be disconcerted. And that means, you know, bewildered or upset or agitated or dismayed. And, you know, my first meeting I was. And um, 
for a lot of different reasons, nothing to do with the steps. It was just how, how it was presented, that it's a one-way one way deal with this whole God thing. And I'm so glad that, that you know, things are, are changing now. And, and that's not even the way Bill W. wanted it to be. You know, and he wrote articles later on that, you know, that approach was harmful and fatal to many that didn't come into these realms because of that. So I'm glad today that I'm standing in the principle of courage and being able to say, you know, this, this, this can be done whether you're agnostic, atheist, um, Mohammedan, anything. You know, we're all inclusive. And I'm just glad that I'm living on a spiritual basis today. And I that, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Alice. Appreciate that. Okay, we're going to move on. And Gail T. is going to read uh, the next, the last paragraph on page 44. Gail? Thank you, Larry. This is Gail T. in Texas. If a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome alcoholism, many of us would have recovered long ago. But we found that such codes and philosophies did not save us. Is there, can you hear me okay? I'm getting a lot of static. Larry? I can't, I can't. Yeah, I can. Let me, um, Leah, would you, would you be kind enough to uh, clear the line and then, um, then Gail, you can come back in if you if you would do that. Okay. Hold on one moment. Okay, Gail, if you if you'd uh, unmute yourself. Okay, but we found that such codes and philosophies did not save us, no matter how much we tried. We could wish to be moral. We could wish to be philosophically comforted. In fact, we could will these things with all our might but the needed power wasn't there. Our human resources, as marshaled by the will, were not sufficient. They failed us utterly. Whoa, this is Gail, recovered compulsive overeater, and I am so thankful. And everything that everyone said makes so much sense, and every sentence in this paragraph I could talk about. And what I want to do is talk about the the whole paragraph and my personal experience because many of you know I am a meditator and I do not belong to one of the traditional religions. And so I thought going to the mountaintop and learning how to be in calm abiding where there was no movement, all thoughts passed through your mind like clouds passed through the sky and had this wonderful spiritual connection with universal goodness would be good enough to keep me from eating. And it did while I was sitting. But as soon as I got up and something happened, I would be in the food. And it was very, very distressing to me because I knew better, and yet I couldn't do better. So then I thought I was sitting on all this crap, And so I became very involved in active meditation. And that felt great because then I could blow it all out. But then again, when something happened, I would go back to the food. So what's giving here? I mean, I got very depressed in this because, again, I knew better but couldn't do better. So then I found Vision for You. and, And I had a very good food program. So I stayed on the wagon. It wasn't like I was always compulsively overeating or anything like that, but I just could not stop when that 
compulsive, that major compulsive urge came. And then I found vision for you. And then for a while, I would listen on and off. And then I started listening more closely and got sponsors and things of that nature. And what I realized is that no matter how much I sat or how much I actively danced all this crap out, that I wasn't going through the steps. And the steps are miraculous. So it's, that is what's really important, that we give our will over to really disclosing to ourselves the nature of, our, of what drives us to eat. And so I'm very, I, I do have a God, and I do have many protectors in my, in my faith, so I have a host of higher powers. But like someone said in the beginning, you can give this over to a tree. And I am so in love with the trees on the property that I take care of. And they, and they do help me. So it's a matter of, for me and maybe for others, is that we give up ourselves to the, to the program of the steps so that we can lessen our confusion and become more with our own higher power or the higher power of our choice. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Gail. I think we have time for about two shares, perhaps three. Who would like to share? Reva P. Okay, anybody else? Chrissy. Okay, let's go with uh, Reva and Chrissy, and then we'll see where we're at. Reva? Good morning, Larry. This is Reva P., recovered, grateful, compulsive overeater in Toronto. I wanted to share on two things um, that speak to me in this paragraph. The first is about the code of morals. Um, I remember before I came into this program, every day I had the moral of bad or good. I was good if I was good with food, and I was bad if I was bad with food. And food was intimately connected with my value and whether I was good or bad as a person. And what I've learned is this disease has nothing to do with being a good or bad person. It has nothing to do with morals because I was a good person, um, so to speak. But that wasn't my problem. My problem was not having power, not having the power to put the food down and live life sanely. And I didn't have access to a power at all. Um, and the other thing that spoke to me is about wishing and wishing. They repeat that word wish several times and will is in there several times. I could wish this stuff away. I could will myself to death and spin myself into that tornado trying and trying and trying and efforting, but it doesn't work because I don't have the power. And this book, every paragraph is telling me the same thing and it's like I have a forgetter that I might forget from one paragraph to another that my problem is power and I need a power that's not me because I've tried and I can't do it. Um, And it has nothing to do with good or bad and thank you God today I don't live like that anymore Um, and the steps are what give me the power or give me access to a power 
that totally removes this. Um, and that's what gives me hope when I see people who are not white-knuckling their abstinence, but are who are true, truly you know, neutral around the food and living life happy, joyous, and free. Um, that's what gives me hope. With that, I pass. Thanks so much, Reva. And Chrissy, it's your turn. Hi, Chrissy. I'm recovered compulsive eater and anorexic from New Jersey. And I'm so grateful to be on the line today and to get to, to share on this. It's um that was the bane of my existence, my intelligence, what I thought was my um crafty way of figuring things out and and figuring out life. And I was like the self help book queen. Um and trying different churches. I just, I tried so many things on my own. And when I say on my own, I mean really on my own. I thought I just had to figure out this thing called life, like completely on my own. And the first time I went to an OA meeting, I went to a face-to-face OA meeting, and then I quickly got into another 12-step program. But the, the first couple of OA meetings I went to, I could not believe that people were dealing with the same problem that I was dealing with. And they had found, they had found a way to deal with it. And it was 100% inclusive of each other, that it had nothing to do with each person's individual will, but that the group itself gave power to those people to live their life and and that was so transformative for me because prior to that and and you know that was my higher power the fact that this group of people were giving each other support and strength to do things they couldn't do on their own that was my first experience with a power greater than myself and I'm so grateful for those beginning days and those miraculous epiphanies and um, I'll share the rest of the time thank you Thanks so much, Christy. Does anyone want to take a, a brief share? One more person? Okay. Morning, Larry. It's Linda D. in Connecticut. I'd like to share. Oh, great. Linda, go ahead. The thing is this. I know something today. Oh, I should say. I want to say. I'm so grateful to be recovered. More than three years. And uh, that's by the grace of God. And that's a lot from a former atheist. And I was terrified, terrified of where I was in life and almost as terrified to do the steps because I was an intellectual and I thought I do have to figure it out just like the other person said. And I did my best and I ended up in a ditch, a real bad ditch. I did the step work and a power greater than myself showed up to my complete amazement. And it's many years later, it's like 33 years later, and guess what? It's love. It's a, an infinite love and intelligence. And it does show me complete guidance when I listen. And the steps remove the blocks so I can listen. So I just have to line up, which is a tall order, but with your help, all of your help, I can do it. Thanks. I pass. 
Thanks so much, uh, Chris, uh, thanks so much, Linda. Appreciate it. Again, thank you uh, to everyone who shared, and please uh, uh, feel free to join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. And now we're going to close with a reading from the Big Book on page 164, uh, followed by the Serenity Prayer. And uh, KDF, if you're available to read, I would appreciate that. Okay, I'm sorry. I thought it was I thought it was someone else. I'm right here. Thanks, Katie. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.